This morning I want to continue talking to you about the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father that we've been looking at. So the last time we spoke about it, we looked at the Our Father, the Father, and today we want to look at who art in heaven. So we looked at his title and now his place, his position and now his location. Our Father who art in heaven. That's what I want to look at this morning. I want to touch on heaven. A little bit of uh, insights possibly on heaven. After all, that is your home, right? After all, that's where we're all going. We need to know what, you might not like it. So I want to touch on heaven. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for this morning. I pray for every person here that you have brought by your will, by your way, You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And Lord God, we don't want to be found with any other thing in our heart but you, Jesus. And so we thank you for your word that is able to cut, to discern our thoughts and our intents. We don't want to be found, Lord God, with a throne that doesn't belong to you in our heart, Lord. You are King of kings and you are Lord of lords. We thank you for this opportunity to come before your word that we may hear and listen and that you may open our eyes and our ears before it's too late, that we may come to know you as you are. I pray you cast the devil away, every distraction. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. I'm sure you've all gone on a holiday. Bali is a beautiful destination. We've had some honeymooners come back from Bali. I'm sure you've all had some kind of experience when you're sitting down and laying on the recliner next to the pool. You've got your drink in your hand, you've got the sun, you're relaxing, it's all beautiful. Yeah, this is heaven. This is heaven. What a lie. Nothing further than the truth. This is, you know, you'd have a nice ice cream. Heaven. Or some really wonderful experience, you know, that you've, you know, you've, you've had a great meal. Oh, it's just heaven. Nothing further than the truth, brothers and sisters. My goodness, if heaven was like Bali, I'd sell everything I have and just go to Bali. What am I doing wasting my time? Nothing further than the truth. You can't equate anything in this present earth, anything in this present world, like heaven. Heaven is extraordinary. In fact, it is so extraordinary that there is nothing in our mortal minds that can conceive it. Did you know that? Most people, or most Christians, use this passage to describe heaven. Let me, let me read it for you in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, Neither has it entered into the heart of people the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And a lot of Christians and theologians look at that passage and they say, oh, look at heaven, this is heaven, that people can't even imagine what it's going to be like. But the truth is, guys, this passage does not relate to heaven. This passage actually relates to the experience that one can have with Jesus Christ. 
that when someone comes to Jesus, they have no idea. I cannot see, ear cannot hear, and even conceive in the heart of people what Christ has prepared and is ready to do in the lives of the believer. That's what that passage is about. If you don't believe me, read the next verse. Because the next verse says this. But God has revealed to them by his Holy Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. God has revealed it to the Christian by his Holy Spirit, what God has prepared for those who seek him. Now, those of you who don't know God or haven't had a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's true. You can't imagine. You've never heard anything like it. But those who have can testify, well, and there's more and more and more. So that passage there isn't about heaven. But there is a passage that's about heaven that I want to read to you. Paul says this. I knew a man in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2 to 4. I knew a man in Christ. This is Paul telling the Christians who wrote most of the New Testament, telling the Christians that he knew someone above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I don't know, or whether out of the body, I can't tell you, God knows, but this man was caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I, I, I can't tell you, but God, God knows, how that he was caught up into paradise. Now listen to this. And he heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Now that is a fantastic description of heaven. So Paul is saying, I know someone basically 14 years ago, uh, I, don't, I can't tell you how his experience was, whether it was a vision or whether he was actually, his body was there or it was just like some kind of a apparition of something or whatever, but I tell you that he was taken up to the third heaven. And this guy also went to paradise. And then he goes on to say that there were things there that were unspeakable. I can't find words to tell you what it is like. That's what Paul is saying. That if I try to utter some words, if I try to describe it to you, I can't find it. Now, I don't know what that would be like to be able to describe something you can't describe. Like, like for example, if I said to you, um, what does bread taste like? What does bread taste like? What does apple taste like? What does it taste like? like you kind of grasp them for like bread. Okay, well, bread tastes like wheat. Like bread tastes like flour. You kind of struggle to be able to describe this inexpressible something. And heaven, imagine on a far greater, deeper level, I can't find words. I'll give you an example. Like, for example, do you think that in the kingdom of heaven, outside of a physical realm, that there could be colors that we've never seen? Colors that we've never seen. And then I ask you to describe that color to me. 
So look, I go to heaven, I've been elevated, whatever, I'm there before God, I see a colour. And I am so excited because this is the most amazing colour in the whole entire world. I've never seen it. I come back down and I say, guess what, I saw the most amazing colour and you say to me, well, what does it look like? And I said, well, it is like um, blue. Or whatever, you know. What, or what about, what about a smell you've never smelt? An aroma, a perfume. What does it smell like? Now, that's on a very superficial level, right? But what about emotions and experiences that you've never experienced in your whole entire life? And you try to explain that and express that to people. And you just can't find the words because it is beyond my imagination. This is heaven. This is heaven. But more significantly is what Paul says... And he says this, words that can't be uttered and it is not lawful. It's more than just that you can't express it. It's forbidden. 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 That they weren't given permission to actually be able to express those things that are hidden for the reward of those who come and trust the Lord, their Savior. And so while we go through this world thinking this is the best thing ever, there is a world far greater than the things that are perishing, and that's the imperishable kingdom of God. And this is where God dwells. Our Father, who art in heaven. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are beyond my thoughts. This is the God who we serve. This is how we open up our prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Your place is not here. Your place is at a place where I can't even speak about. I can't even express. It's not even permitted for me to even try to articulate. This is where you dwell. And it's extraordinary to think that Christians who come to the Lord Jesus Christ are invited into such a place. And it's extraordinary to think that those who don't come to Jesus are going to a place far opposite to this very thing that Christ has promised to those who follow him. But what's amazing is that Christians sometimes don't live their life in perspective of this grand and glorious kingdom. We forget it. If I said to you, for example, something like, listen, you've only got one food to choose and you're going to eat that for the rest of your entire life. Choose it. One food. What would you say? What would you choose? How would you go about choosing it? You have one food that you get to choose and that's all you're going to eat for the rest of your existence. How would you go about choosing that food? How many of you would go, oh, here, tomatoes? Potato. I I can live on cucumbers the rest of my life. How many of you just say flippantly, flippantly would just say, yeah, 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 lettuce, easy. (laughs) Like that. Or... Or, how many, how many of you will be diligent enough 
you take it serious enough because you're concerned. You know? And you start Googling the benefits of mushrooms. Seriously. You start Googling and trying to find out, okay, I wonder, I wonder what, you know, peanuts, how good are peanuts for you? And which one's going to encompass all the nutrition and all the pro and everything, everything? Which one? How many of you would not do that? I'm pretty sure most of you should, and if you're wise enough, you would. Hey, heaven is for eternity. You're going to be dwelling there forever. How many of you have investigated and looked into your next home? Your next home, brothers and sisters. It's like one person building a house in one suburb. They're building it at the beachfront for a holiday house, and they just sit there and go, ooh, I've got a holiday house, but they don't even investigate how they're going to plan it, how they're going to live it, how, you know, what kind of view they're going to have. They're not even looking into the plans, but, ooh, I've got a house in the beachfront. Brothers and sisters, it's extraordinary when you start looking into the kingdom of God and you start studying heaven. I feel sorry for those who miss out. Those who never come into the kingdom of God. Those who never embrace Jesus and experience what Christ has given to all those who trust him. The kingdom of God is far more significant than anything you can ever fathom and understand. I guess the only time people start to consider heaven is when they're in a rough place, not just a tough place, but a place where it's fatal, where it's clinical, where we're basically close to death. And that's when people start considering, well, what's next? When's my next home? And there was a lady like that. She was diagnosed with cancer. And her husband is a Christian author. So the doctor said, we can't do much. And he took her home. And they started to pray and meditate on God's word. And they started to contemplate heaven because that's her next home. They needed to pack, didn't they? Like, they needed to get ready, don't they? And so they did. They started unpacking the word of God. And they started studying heaven. And I want to share with you those things that they found about heaven. And maybe somehow you can actually see heaven in perspective, that when you pray, our Father who art in heaven, you actually know what you're saying. For example, in heaven, we no longer contend with the devil and all temptations. Amazing, isn't that extraordinary? You know that the devil is a roaring lion who goes in every single person's mind and heart ready to destroy them and slay them like, like animals. And every single hour of your day, there is a demonic oppression that is consistently attacking you emotionally and mentally, trying to bring you down and separate you from the king of glory. Whether you believe it or not, there's a spiritual battle after the souls of people. And the devil is the, is the king, the prince of the air. And he seeks to destroy humanity in all its policies and processes and all its laws and, and everything to bring down the image of God. In heaven, you no longer contend against the enemy. The enemy that comes in and whispers lies and deceit and tries to put division and separation and destruction and, and hatred, you no longer need to fight against the devil. Can you imagine a world like that? Heaven. In heaven, there is no more death 
or the fear of it. No more death or the fear of it. Young people don't understand this much, but the older you get, the sicker you are, the closer to death, the more you start contemplating it. And we know you, you start talking differently when you're older. That in a language that most young people don't understand, but a language that most older people nod their heads to and agree quietly, silently. But in heaven, there is no death, neither the fear of it. No longer the pain of separation from the ones who were dead. No longer the pain of those who were dying. In heaven, finished. Can you imagine a world like that? All the, no, in heaven, no longer the regrets and remorse and guilt. It's like sleeping on a very fluffy cloud pillow. No guilt, no shame, that every single sin that you have ever done is vanished, gone. No regrets. How many regrets do you guys live with? Right now, think about it, count them. How many regrets do you actually have in your life that haunt or taunt you throughout the days, months? The, the kind of things that people say, haven't you forgotten that already? All right, we've spoken about it. Isn't that finished? Haven't we dealt with this? That we regurgitate it again and again and again. In heaven, no guilt, no shame, finished. Extraordinary, no? Free from anguish and frustration. You don't have to tell your kids to clean their rooms anymore. You don't have to tell your kids what to do or not to do. They do their homework, no. Frustration, boss, manager, workload. In fact, there's a beautiful verse in the scriptures that says this. Let me share this with you. The sun, in Isaiah 60, verse 19 to 20, the sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again. Your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light. And your days of sorrow will end. I look at it simply, right? Without being too theological about it. Very simply. Man, can you imagine not being busy anymore? No more sun, no more moon, no more time, no more day. I don't, I'm not trying to rush to meet a deadline. <sighs> I don't need to be busy. The, the world is stressed out because they're busy. And God is saying, no more sun, no more moon, no more day and night. You've got no deadline to meet. Heaven. I don't think I'm exaggerating, brothers and sisters. I think I can't cut it. I think I can't scratch it. 
because I can't express it. That's heaven. It was a beautiful song when I was growing up as a Christian by Steve Curtis Chapman called Your Higher Ways. Have you heard that one? I sent it to Your Higher Ways. If I could only fly, I'd go up and look down from the sky so I could see the bigger picture. And Lord, if I could sit with you at your feet for an hour or two, I'm sure I'd ask too many questions because there's so much going on down here. And I must confess, I just don't understand. But I have prayed. And at your feet, my whole life has been laid. Heaven. If I could only fly up and sit at your feet, I could see the bigger picture. I could see the bigger picture. You want to hear that song? We'll get Brother Tony to share it. You want to share that song, bro? This is prepared. This is not improvised. (laughs) I've asked him, can you share this song, bro? So he's going to share this song. Listen to this song, how beautiful it is. I could see the bigger picture And Lord, if I could sit with you at your feet For an hour or two I'm sure I'd ask too many questions Is there so much that's going on down here That I must confess I just don't understand I don't understand But I had prayed And at your feet my whole life has been laid Oh, I won't worry and I won't be afraid Cause my soul is resting on So let the road ahead become unclear. Oh, I am yours, so what have I to fear? Cause my soul is resting on your higher ways. Cause your higher ways, they teach me. Your highways are not like mine. Your highways are the ways of a father hiding his children in his love. So let it rain. And if my eyes grow dim, 
So let it rain. So let it rain. Because my hope is set on your higher ways. It doesn't matter. And this, brothers and sisters, is the essence of our Father who art in heaven. When you have a right perspective on earth, that you believe and live for a living God who dwells in the heavens, you can say, let it rain. This is not my final home. This is not my final destination. You know um, a movie called Dead Poet Society? Robin Williams? Do you remember the scene where he gets all the students to stand on desks? And they all stand on the desks and he gets them to look at the classroom? And the whole objective of that was to basically show them that sometimes you can have a different perspective depending where you are. So when you seek the kingdom of God and the king of kings and his heavenly place, it gives you a whole different perspective from where you are. You can say, so let it rain. You can say, bring it on, God. Imagine that. Bring it on, God. (laughs) Whatever comes my way, I know this is not my final destination. What kind of life is that? What kind of faith is that? Is peace granted to you in this present, this slice of heaven, right here, right now? You know what what also is going to happen, and this is probably the most beautiful thing to me, when we get to heaven, that's going to stop? When we get to heaven, you know what's going to kind of be at rest? What's going to kind of just be at peace? Your heart's cry. Your hearts cry. Your hearts cry for God and your desire for Him is finally fulfilled. Your troubled days of wanting more and more of Jesus, your yearning hunger and thirst to have Him fill your life, finished. In heaven, your hearts cry. It may not mean much to people who don't care, but to the righteous, it's their life. And that's enough for me. That's enough for me. When we pray, our Father who art in heaven, what it does for us, it sets us in an active faith of how we live our life. We live our life knowing well that we have a Father who dwells in the heavens. Now, how does that work? I'll give you an example how that works. Listen to this verse in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. 
But I say unto you, this is Jesus talking. He says to the people, I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the children of your father which is in heaven. Why do I need to pray our Father which is in heaven? Because it basically reminds me, when my enemy comes against me, I'm called to do what? Love. When infliction, hardships, trouble, walk the walk, live Christ. And your Father which is in heaven will reward you. And so I live my life knowing this in this present earth, this present world. That's why in Psalms, when David asks the question to God in Psalm 15, he says, Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? These are descriptive words of heaven. Who are the ones that are going to be there? What kind of people are they who dwell in the heavenly kingdom? And this is the response. He that walks uprightly, works righteousness, and speaks truth in their heart. Of such is the place for such people. Because they knew in this present world, that nothing mattered, not the money, not the relationships, not their gain, not their possessions, not their materialism, but Christ and him alone for the sake of the Father which is in heaven. So we pray, our Father which art in heaven. It's our opening conversation with God. Our Father which art in heaven. It's the perspective we take every time we speak. Our troubles are past and they're behind us. Our Father, which art in heaven. My needs and my requests are embedded in the fact that you are the Almighty who dwell outside of us. Our Father, which art in heaven. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Let me finish this psalm for you as you have your heads bowed. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. Verse 3. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. These are they that dwell in the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They, they're the ones of this character, of this nature, of this kind of people. These are the ones of heaven. As you have your heads bowed, probably the most important question you could be asking is, Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? What must I do to get into heaven?
And if you're seeking, you're asking that question, I can tell you, if you believe in your heart and you confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour, and you seek to follow him, pursue him, when that day comes and you stand before that throne, he will say, enter in, because you have believed in the Son. Because you have believed and at such faith you've left everything to follow him. You don't want to pass this world that's temporary and not make it. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for your word, for your truths. I know, Lord God, that you continually throw out your seeds that we may explore and understand you more and more as we unravel the mysteries of your word. Yet we've to see so much when we come before you in the kingdom. So many things. But we give you thanks for coming and delivering us, for opening our eyes, for showing us your truths. I pray for everyone in this room who doesn't know you, that you knock at the door of their heart, that they may open up and say, Lord God, here I am. Take me. Receive me. I want to live and dwell in your tabernacle. I pray, Father, you cast the devil away from them till they come to know you as you are, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.